This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Every time around this year, every year around this time, rather, Chicagoans are graced with the fluttering wings of orange and black North American monarch butterflies. They're on a 3,000-mile journey to spend their winter in Mexico. And lucky for us, they make a pit stop right here. So here to tell us all about their migration and where you can see them is Alan Lawrence, Associate Curator of Entomology at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, where he implements the museum's butterfly conservation projects. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Hi, thanks for having me. How do butterflies know to make this journey at the same time to the same place year after year, Alan? Where's where's the knowledge stored exactly? We, we are fascinated here on Team Reset. Yeah, that's kind of a, a complicated question. Uh, they know when to migrate based on environmental cues. So a big uh, clue is daylight. So as the days get shorter, um, they know kind of that the environment's changing, or they may not know that the environment's changing, but it causes some changes in their bodies themselves. It affects um, hormone regulation, uh, which changes development a little bit. So the generation that emerges and is prepared to migrate have stronger flight muscles, their bodies are a little bigger, and more fat reserves, so they're able to store energy for the journey. Very interesting stuff. So how many layovers are they making on this on this journey, and what exactly is their final destination? Mm-hmm. So they're heading uh, directly to Mexico. Now, they can tell where to go, like how to fly south by tracking the position of the sun in the sky. We don't know exactly how they find the specific locations in Mexico, which are going to be on mountaintops in Michoacan. They're looking for fir trees where they're going to hang out to overwinter. And it's going to take them about uh, two months to get there. So they're going to have to make a lot of stops along the way. Oh, that's a long time. So what do they do once they get to Mexico? Yeah, so once they get to Mexico, they're going to kind of hang out in the treetops. And they're not just hibernating. They are still active and awake. But during the colder months, they're going to be really tight, um, close together. And then uh, as it starts to warm up a little bit towards the end of winter and the spring, they'll be a little more active throughout the day. And then um, come spring or right before, that's when they'll take off and fly up into the southern edge of Texas, and that's where they're going to start mating and laying eggs um, on milkweed. Oh, so after so they'll come back up towards Texas and then make their way back mm-hmm. up to the north. Yep. Yep, they'll get just about that far, and then their offspring will head further north. They're actually going to kind of disperse in every direction. So some of their offspring will make it to us, but more likely they'll stop somewhere along the way, and then their offspring will make it to us. Okay, so so everyone separates at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so it takes, yeah, everyone separates. They kind of disperse. It takes a few generations to get back. Yeah. Um, But for that south journey, it's those individual butterflies are able to make that whole flight themselves. Wow, that is incredible. 3,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Remind us of their estimated lifespan, Alan. Yeah, so during the summer breeding season, they can have multiple generations sort of in the Chicago area. Um, and then the adult monarchs only live for about a month. But those that are overwintering have to survive that whole winter, and they'll live for about three months. Okay. So on their journey, uh, tell us more about that. Like, are they pollinating the entire way? Yeah, so on the journey, they're going to have to make these pit stops to gather energy. So they're definitely visiting flowers and drinking nectar to gather that energy. Um, They kind of fly around on their own, but when they uh, go for a rest at night, sometimes they like to sleep in tree branches, and they'll often aggregate together in what are called roosts. 
So sometimes if you look up in the trees, you can see groups of either a dozen to potentially even hundreds of monarchs just resting for the night on a tree or on a cold day like today. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about the migration of monarch butterflies. If you're just tuning in, the colorful insects, they're traveling through Chicago right now. And with us is Alan Lawrence, who's associate curator of entomology at the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, where he implements the museum's butterfly conservation projects. Um, Alan, we know that the uh, International Union for Conservation of Nature, uh, that it added these butterflies to the endangered species list. Are we seeing fewer numbers of butterflies than we normally do? Yeah, so the monarch, migratory monarch butterflies specifically were added to the endangered species list by the IUCN uh, because there are documented declines in their overwintering populations, and there's no evidence that that trend can be reversed anytime soon. They're not at risk of going extinct in the near immediate future, future, um, and they're not going to go extinct globally. It's really just the migratory populations. But this year, um, just taking a preliminary look at some of the numbers, monarch populations do seem to be down. So at the museum, we have a a community science project called the Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Program, where we document butterfly populations throughout the state, and that's all butterflies, not just monarchs. And looking at the data from their breeding range, it appears we only saw about a third as many monarchs as last year. So that would predict we'd be seeing fewer monarchs during the migration, and that appears to be true so far. A a third fewer? Yeah, a third fewer, which sounds really, not sorry, a third fewer, a third as many. A third as many, yes, that's right. Yeah, which Which sounds very dramatic, but monarchs, their numbers do jump up and down quite a bit, so it's not unheard of. It is sort of on the low end of what we see year to year, but it's not. It's far from the lowest. If that makes any sense. Yeah. What What kind of habitat do they need to survive? Yeah. So monarchs are so amazing, and they can use a wide variety of habitats. They actually exist in pretty much any kind of habitat as long as milkweeds are present and nectar resources are available. So they can use agricultural resources. They can use native landscapes, or even urban and suburban environments. And, and speaking of milkweeds, they, they can feed almost exclusively on, on that. Is that right? So, yeah, the caterpillars can only eat milkweeds. So they need that for their entire development as a caterpillar. Once they become an adult butterfly, they can drink nectar from a variety of flowers as long as they produce enough and the shape is amenable for fitting their long um, straw-like tongue into Now, milkweeds are also a really great nectar resource during the summer, but in the fall, milkweeds um, are forming their pods and not really blooming as much, so they're going to depend on some other nectar resources in addition to just milkweeds. And talk to us about threats that monarchs are facing right now. I'm thinking deforestation, things like that. Yeah, so habitat loss is generally a big concern when Mm -hmm. it comes to Um, arthropod declines. And so for monarchs, that means is there a reduction in milkweeds available to them? Um, And there had been a big reduction in milkweeds in agricultural ecosystems um, with the advent of uh, uh, Roundup-ready crops. And so some declines were seen possibly due to that, although adoption of those practices kind of leveled off already. So 
Um, other factors that may be even more important currently are things like shifting weather patterns. We know that weather is one of the biggest drivers of annual uh, population numbers year to year. Mm-hmm. So the next connection is, are we seeing shifting patterns and are, the, are there any trends there? So we talked about this two-month-long journey that they're taking from Canada to Mexico. How much longer will we see them visiting us here in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we should have just passed the peak this past weekend, and there are some reports of monarch roosts just south of the Chicago area around like Goose Lake Prairie or some other places near Medewin. Um, so I think we might still see some more for about a week. Um, some people were surmising that the monarch uh, migration may have been delayed a little bit this year, maybe by about a week, due to some cool spring weather, which can sort of slow down their development. Mm-hmm. So it could potentially go on a little bit more, but I think we've we've hit the peak. So we'll see a few flying through over the next week, and it should start. It should be tapering off. I know it's common for for people to catch fireflies and put them in jars. But for anyone who might be tempted, Alan, is is putting a butterfly in a jar a bad idea? Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay to put a butterfly in a jar just for a brief moment to observe it, but then you should let it go and not keep it in there for, for very long. Yeah, sounds like it. We'll leave it there. That was Alan Lawrence of the Peggy Notabart Museum. Thank you so much for breaking that down. All right. Thank you.